Hello, brothers and sisters. This is the Solidarity Podcast from Teamsters Local 769. I'm Brian Besbiani, but everybody calls me Bez. We're going to do a little something different this time. Our previous episodes have had a lot of reading, and we're going to jump right in and welcome our first guest after we do a little bit of housekeeping. So, we can't say this enough. You can reach out to us on social media, email us at podcast at teamsterslocal769.org, or call our Solidarity Podcast voicemail line. The number is 786-456-7936. As always, we'll use your clip on the show if you ask a good question or something that others might want to know the answer to. Spread the word about the show. Give us a review on any of your favorite podcast platforms. So let's get right to it here. Hi, this is Dan Allen in West Palm Beach, UPS, and you're listening to the Solidarity Podcast by Teamsters Local 769. Joining us now to break down some of the news going around the local here is President Josh Zivilich. Good afternoon, Brian. Hey, Josh. How's it going? Doing well, thank you. Busy. All right. So let's see. So 2021 is upon us for six months now. And uh, it looks like some things are returning back to normal as uh, there's some news about one of our events coming back. Yes. One of the things that we missed the most last year was having uh, social events with our members and our member appreciation picnic. We're exploring the possibilities of having our picnic later this year. We'll obviously keep our members up to date if we're able to make that happen. And we are going to have our scholarship fundraising golf tournament that goes to award scholarships to uh, children of our members that are graduating high school and starting college or, or uh, trade school in the fall. So it looks like we'll be able to do our golf tournament and keep our fingers crossed that we're able to have the picnic as well. Sounds good. Other news is now that the Florida legislative session has come to a close, <laughs> we, uh, we certainly saw some horrific legislation passed, but we also beat back some pretty severe attacks on unions in the middle class. We did. We did. I want to thank all of our members that took the time to get involved, that called or emailed their state representatives, their state senators. We had some members that actually went up to Tallahassee with some of our union representatives to lobby towards the end of the legislative session against those bad bills that would have made union dues deduction illegal for any city or county union member. That would have greatly diminished our local union and, of course, you know, diminished their rights on the job because it would have you know, lost the contract. So it was, a, it was a collective effort, and much gratitude goes out to our members that stayed engaged and made the phone calls and the emails and paid attention. That's how we're going to get things done. That's how we always get things done. Speaking of beating back attacks, there's always something new and always something going on at UPS, but as of late, there's something going on there as well. Yes, the installation of on-car cameras for uh, those, those members of ours that operate the uh, package cars is of great concern for us. The company implemented that without negotiating with us. They just informed us of it. And of course, we object to that. We believe it's a form of surveillance, it can be a form of harassment. And certainly we, we object to what they're going to be used for. We've, we're in the process. We've filed a grievance on this, a class action grievance on behalf of all of our members that are affected by it. We anticipate additionally that this will become a national issue. In fact, we're aware 
of another local union that has already grieved this in Texas, Local 988 did. And uh, my understanding is that case is pending before our National Grievance Committee. As we speak, our, our case might not be the exact same, but uh, there'll be obvi- obviously some commonalities there. Obviously, we need to keep our members posted with regard to this issue and hopefully get the cameras altogether removed, but certainly limiting their use in, in how employees are monitored. I'm of the opinion UPS has quite a quite a few systems already to monitor their employees sure. and to measure their work performance. Uh, really don't think that a video camera in a package car is, is necessary for them right. to do so. They've already got the means and they monitor their employees pretty regularly as anybody that's ever worked at UPS is well aware of. Do you have any advice for any package car drivers that come into work and find a drive cam installed on their cam- or on their vehicle? Yeah, so I, I, I think the best advice we could give that member is to get their union steward and approach their manager and ask them what the purpose of the on-car camera is. Will that be recording them in the vehicle or is it simply outward facing? Will they, they being UPS management, be utilizing any captured video against the employee in a disciplinary setting. All of those things need to be brought to light and reported to the union steward and back to the business agent as well. In fact, when the member approaches their manager, they should have their steward with them so that there's a witness to the conversation. Well, that sounds like a lot of big things going on. we got some other good information coming up in this episode. And uh, thanks for joining us, Josh. We'll be right back. My pleasure, Brian. Thank you. Hey, Teamster members, registration is now open for our annual golf tournament benefiting the Teamsters Local 769 Scholarship Fund. Come swing some clubs with your fellow Teamsters at the beautiful Palm Air Country Club in Pompano Beach, Florida on Saturday, October 9th, 2021. Registration begins with a continental breakfast at 6.30 a.m. before we head out on the Oaks course for a shotgun start at 7.30 a.m. After the tournament, there will be a buffet lunch and prizes awarded for the closest to the pin on all par threes, straightest drive, and putting contests, just to name a few. Sponsorship opportunities are available as well. So if you know a company that would like to sponsor this great cause, please visit TeamstersLocal769.org where you can find our registration form and more information. Or you can call our office at 305-642-6255. On Tuesday, May 25th, 2021, public sector members at the City of Fort Pierce ratified a new three-year contract which includes an 8% increase for all workers in the first year of the agreement. And additionally, incentive pay increases, and that's just far too much information. So why don't we introduce Steve Myers, business agent for the group there, and he's going to tell us a little bit more about that sector. Thanks, Brian. Um, yeah, the City of Fort Pierce bargaining unit is actually one of the oldest bargaining units that we've actually had in our local union, or the oldest for the public sector. We've had this group since 1975, since you and I were little kids. This group, their contract had expired on September 30th of 2020, and we were still trying to negotiate a successor agreement. And after months and months of delay, the city finally came around to their senses and and started basically putting their money where their mouth is and paid these workers for what they're worth. And, you know, when I say what they're worth, meaning that these were the workers that stepped up during the, the pandemic and, you know, were at work every day. They weren't teleworking from home or they were they were right in the heart of things and 
they hadn't seen a loss or an interruption in, in work really at all. No, no, they, they, they never missed a day. Um, and when I say literally miss a day, unless they were sick with, with something, the COVID or other related things, they, they were at work every single day. And there were some of the management team for the same employer that they were teleworking. They were, they were sitting at home and, you know, doing their work at their house when these guys were required to come to work. So the city finally stepped up to the plate and, you know, paid these guys for, for what they're worth. All the while that management was sitting home and issuing their orders from home, public sector areas or municipalities have received relief from the federal government in a lot of different ways during this time. Yeah, they have. And if, and if they haven't received the funding, they're about to receive the funding. You know, the final, the first wave of funding for the American Rescue Plan Act will be received by most of the county and municipal governments in June of 2020, so right about now. And, you know, the second wave will come 12 months after they receive the first disbursement. So a lot of these employers, including the city of Fort Pierce, which the city itself is going to expect to receive $15 million from the federal government as part of the American Rescue Plan. And the American Rescue Plan spells out how these municipalities and local governments can spend those monies. And one of the four ways they can spend the money is on their essential employees, those employees that were required to work during the pandemic and put forward the effort that couldn't work from home. That's what the money is supposed to be used for. One of the four things it can be used for and what we're trying to do as the as the union advocating for the employees is to make sure that the employers know that we're aware that they're getting this money. We're aware of what the monies can be used for. And we're going to make damn certain that these monies aren't going to be used for every other thing and that they're going to leave the members that we represent behind. Right. The money was intended and earmarked for the workers or the benefit of the workers. That's exactly right. Up to... $13 an hour or, and they, they put a cap on it, or $25,000 could be spent on these workers that were considered essential workers defined by what the American Rescue Plan just defined them as, which they defined it different than what we normally say uh, essential employees are. And basically, the American Rescue Plan were defining the essential employees as those employees that were required to be physically present on the job. If they weren't or if they couldn't be afforded the opportunity to work from home, they essentially were classified as essential. Yeah, they were. And, and the government also put some other stipulations on there than saying that the employer should emphasize on what has traditionally been lower paid um, workers that haven't been paid properly, that they should also receive a, a greater impact of the, of the proceeds also. Gotcha. More of a bottom-up approach to distributing the funds. Right. And that's one of the things we want to make sure that we're out front doing as the local union is not that we're going to be able to get every single one of our members $13 an hour as the American Rescue Plan says that they're allowed to give, but at least out front advocating for our members so the employers aren't just failing to give anything to our members. That's a very important thing for our local union. Also, one of the things that you may or may not be aware of, Brian, is that the American Rescue Plan provided almost $350 billion for the state, county, and municipal governments. Um, and of that $350, $130 billion of it was just for the local governments. So, you know, it's... The funding is there for sure. Now, if they don't distribute that money, are they still receiving it, or do they have to distribute it in order to receive it? Well, 
essentially there's four ways they can spend the money. And one of the four ways they can spend the money is on their essential employees. So they're given discretion. They are given uh, wide discretion. An employer can basically just pretend like they didn't read the provision in the act that talks about that they are supposed to, they're required to provide these monies towards essential employees and just say, we're going to give the monies towards infrastructure projects and water and sewer or what have you, and and just totally forget that they read the bullet regarding the essential employees. And we're making sure that it's pointed out at the bargaining table to all of our public employers that we're negotiating with that, that they have an obligation to pay the essential employees that, that were out there doing the work and compensate them and, and make it worth their while. Because after all, they're getting the money from the federal government. The unions fought hard to make sure that these um, employers were going to get the the monies from the American Rescue Plan. And if it, quite frankly, Brian, if it wasn't for the union unions and what they were doing behind the scenes in Washington, D.C., this uh, American Rescue Plan never would have passed. So right. our, our members should be rewarded for their hard work based on the work that the unions put forward trying to make sure that these this act was passed. Absolutely. And with regards to the city of Fort Pierce group, uh, is there anybody you'd like to call out or, or honorable mention to? Well, to be honest with you, there's, there's seven of our, our stewards and one of our chief stewards that, that were instrumental in, in making sure this got this got done. So shout out to the entire city of Fort Pierce bargaining committee, to be honest with you. What other public sector groups do we have within our local union that could benefit from this knowledge right now? Well, actually, besides the city of Fort Pierce, we have 13 other public sector bargaining units that we represent. You know, I mentioned the city of Fort Pierce is the oldest. I mean, we've we've got quite a few, and Andy Mattis has just recently organized some of the ones down in um, Broward County in the last couple of years. So we've got some we've got some new units down there. You know, currently right now, I've I've got ongoing negotiations for successor contracts with City of Vera Beach. I have for their their blue collar and their clerical unit. I'm currently in negotiations now, and we're making sure that the City of Vera Beach is is going to use some of the monies that they have from the American Rescue Plan to make sure that they're funding our wages for the essential employees at the city of Vero. I'm also in negotiations with Indian River County for the uh, blue-collar employees at Indian River County, and we're just in negotiations with that group just for wages. Same thing, St. Lucie County, we're in um, negotiations for the entire contract, so we're making sure we have a proposal that's currently on the table for taking care of the essential employees at St. Lucie County also. Right. And the other agents as well are, are utilizing this tactic or this tool. Yeah, absolutely. David Renshaw is handling the Coral Gables group, which is an important group to us down in the Miami-Dade area. You know, he's making sure that the American Rescue Plan and the funds that the city of Coral Gables are at the forefront and making sure the employer knows the funds that that employer has received to make sure that the pay can be given to our members also. Andy Mattis is currently in negotiations with City of Fort Lauderdale and some of the other employers down in the Keys, Monroe County and City of Key West. So, you know, he's making sure that those members are being advocated for also in the public sector. Right. And we have business agent Chuck Tomey. And, you know, Brian Chucks has that Martin County group. It's a wall-to-wall unit there at Martin County incorporating the blue collar and the clerical unit together. Chuck's currently in negotiations with that group and he's you know, I've talked with Chuck about the negotiations, and he's told me that he's made the employer well aware of the incoming funds from the American Rescue Plan and advocating on behalf of our members down in Martin County. So 
Always a plus to have Chuck on board with us. He does a great job there with that Martin County group. Absolutely. That's what the members count on us for. That's exactly right, Brian. That's what they pay their dues for. And we always, in our local union, make sure that we put the, the members' interests first. Ultimately, they're the ones that are going to vote on their contract. So we got to make sure that it's something that they're going to be happy with and you know, willing to accept as a, a final contract. Sure. Well, thanks for joining us, Steve. Absolutely. Anytime, Brian. Attention all Teamsters Local 769 members. Do you know that you can always have a copy of your contract in the palm of your hand? Do you know that you can have easy access to union benefits and discounts right when you need them? Do you want to have up-to-the-minute news and alerts specific to your worksite and employer? Well, you're in luck. The Teamsters Local 769 smartphone app is available for download now for iOS and Android. Just download the app, register, and after your membership status is confirmed, you are immediately a more powerful union member. With a virtual ID card for contactless check-in at union events and the ability to take immediate action on political issues facing our union, you'll have these and more powerful tools to protect your rights in the workplace and maximize the benefit of your membership. Go to the Apple App Store or Google Play and search Teamsters 769. Download it today and never again be caught without the power of knowing your rights. For more information and support, visit TeamstersLocal769.org app. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the Solidarity Podcast. Hope you like the new relaxed conversational format. Special thanks this month goes to Josh Zivilich for sitting down with us during the news and Steve Myers for breaking down the public sector unit. But the big thanks this episode goes to all the members that made calls during this last legislative session in the state of Florida. We couldn't have fought off all that ugly legislation without you. As always... Teamsters Local 769 Solidarity Podcast is produced by the officers and staff of Local 769, including Josh Zivilich, Roly Pena, and Steve Myers, with contributions by Local 769 business agents and by me, Brian Besbiati. We encourage you to visit our website at teamsterslocal769.org slash solidarity. There you will find show notes and additional info as well as links to our social media pages. You can also email us at podcast at teamsterslocal769.org or you can leave us a voicemail at 786-456-7936. If you leave a message we can use, we may include your comment or answer your question in an upcoming episode. Be sure to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you find podcasts and we encourage you to tell our sisters and brothers about the show as well. Our theme song, The Vendetta, was composed by Stefan Kartenberg and additional music titled Onion Capers by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com were used in this episode, both licensed under Creative Commons Attribution License. Until next time, remember, in unity there is strength. Bye, folks. Bye, folks.